you just don't realize how wasteful we are as people. Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. So happy to have you here. And Kelly and I have another awesome guest today. We have Shannon Goldberg and Shannon is from a company that we are going to let her tell you about because she has one of the coolest titles that I've ever heard. And as a former recruiter, I'm a sucker for job titles. So Shannon, welcome to Doing Good Business. Tell us a little bit about you and your super cool title and what you do in the world. You're so funny. Yes. Hi, I am Shannon. I am the chief zero waste officer for Izzy Zero Waste Beauty. Um, It's just a really fancy and fun way of saying I'm the CEO and founder. But um, I got the idea because a few jobs ago, I remember meeting someone that was the chief of swag, as in like promo materials and things for companies. And I was like, that is the coolest title I've ever heard. And I can't wait till I get to the point in my career where I could just make up my own title. That feels right. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, there's nothing wrong with calling yourself the CEO. It's just something, a name I wanted to have some fun with. Absolutely. That tells us a little bit about who you are. So thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not so serious. It's, it is the world of beauty. I always say we're not curing cancer. This is lip glosses and mascara. It should be fun. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I've been in the beauty world for the last 17 years. It is my utmost passion. It just, it's what lights me up and has continued to do so for the last, you know, several, almost two decades. And, I, you know, worked across TV shopping brands, small, you know, family brands. Um, I've actually been on TV shopping as a guest host and in brand support. And then I went on to be the head of marketing for Peter Thomas Roth Clinical Skincare and had a lot of wins with him. So much fun. And from there, I was actually recruited to Madonna Skincare Collection, MDNA Skin, and had the most incredible two years with her supporting her and her brand and making all of her wildest dreams come true. And then after that, when she went back on tour, I was recruited to a med spa in Tampa, Florida. So I had to move my family from New York to Florida, which felt crazy at the time. And then the pandemic happened. So six months after I convinced my whole family to leave their lives and move to Florida, I was furloughed from my job, right? You know, as soon as the pandemic hit and it was really one of the scariest moments in my life, but I'm one of those people who doesn't sit and sulk for too long. And, you know, is also the breadwinner, you know, within my family, there's not much time to do that. So I knew like right then and there that I had to act fast and, The truth is I just wasn't excited about a lot of the job opportunities around me. And I remember being stuck in quarantine like everyone else in the world. And I came across an article from National Geographic that cited in the beauty industry, we go through 200 billion units of unrecyclable plastic a year. 
And I remember just feeling so convicted at that moment. And, you know, I sometimes laugh. I was like that moment where like my entire life and career flashed in front of me and I felt held accountable. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been sleepwalking all these years and just like never really cared about plastic and what the problem is, you know, within the cosmetic world. But it's, it's really, you know, the truth is like, if you, you know, time travel back in your life and think about the first you know, Bonnie Bell or lip smackers, lip gloss you ever use. Like it is just sitting somewhere on this planet. There is no such thing as throwing things away. It, our trash, our consumable items, our plastic, it just goes somewhere else. So even if it's not around you, wherever you live, like it has certainly been shipped here to Florida, our landfills are our mountains here. And if it's not here, then it's in a third world country. So it's just, you know, a hard reality that we really have to start giving more attention to. Wow. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, this is Kelly. And I just have to say, we probably could end the podcast there, right, Laura? I mean, that's an amazing story <laughs> you've got right there. So thank you for sharing that. This um, this is um, promises even more good listening for everyone. So, oh, oh, okay. First, full disclosure. I And I know I'm going to get um, emails or angry tweets about this. I do actually still have an eyeliner that I purchased in roughly 19. <gasps> no, no, no. There's germs in that. <laughs> Throw it out, Stuart. Throw it out. <laughs> I almost can't now because now it's like, I don't know. It's just such a conversation piece. <laughs> That's amazing. I still love it. Clearly, I don't use it that frequently, but oh I just God, hold on so to funny. it. It was one of the most um, frivolous things I had ever bought at that time when, when disposable income was new to me. Mm. However, um, let's just set the stage here, Shannon. You've alluded to some of this already. I, uh, we did a little research, and I just want to make sure everyone, all our listeners are up to speed. First of all, the history of cosmetics goes well, beyond 1983, it spans at least 7,000 years. And I found out is was really the idea of cosmetics was present in almost every society on earth. So that just kind of gives you a, the idea of the size of the market. Um, oh, speaking of, in dollars, the US market is now worth almost $62.5 billion, huge. And nature's problem, as you alluded to, well, you, you plainly said it, it's not like the trash goes away. It goes somewhere. And um, part of that problem for nature is that in less than 40 years, the ratio of plastics to fish in the ocean will increase from one piece of plastic to five fish to one to one. Wow. That horrifies so, me. Very horrifying. So here comes your company, Izzy taking big steps to reduce plastic waste, clean and cruelty-free products. We also love that, that are 100% reusable. I want to make sure I get this right. 100% recyclable, 100% certified carbon neutral, Yeah, and 100% gorgeous. <laughs> Emphasis yes. on the last part. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So... We're delighted to have you here on our show today. And um, Laura, do you have something you want to? Yeah. So because Kelly, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation so far. No, and not like, look, Kelly, you know, I'm always going to look to you for the data. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and if we go back into the Doing Good Business archives, you know, in season one, one of our very first guests um, 
was another female entrepreneur, um, a friend of ours named Colleen Felicki, who founded a curbside compost pickup company in the Philly area called Back to Earth Compost Crew. So, you know, Shannon, you're in good company on this show. Um, and, you know, you are disrupting. It's an overused term, but it's still true. Like you are disrupting a notoriously wasteful industry from, you know, just think about if I go to the CVS, everything, the products are all in plastic, the package is plastic around it. And it, it, you know, to, it goes to the ocean, it goes to a landfill, it goes to a third world country. So Kelly shared what the organization is doing, you know, zero waste and reusable, but like, how, how are you changing the industry? How are you changing beyond what you're doing with Izzy? Like, how are you impacting the industry as a whole? It's, you know, I will tell you this, I, it's a weird time to launch a brand. You know, we, we started right, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic and as the world is starting to open up, I am trying to make myself as visible as possible wherever I can within the industry, whether it's podcasts and person events, you name it, because I really am aiming to get the, the word out. And Izzy is really a call to action to the industry I love. And it, I'm really saying, Hey guys, like, our, our voices, our collective actions can really drive meaningful change. And I think Izzy provides the opportunity for everyone industry-wide. And it's not only beauty. I mean, this can tap into food and, you know, so many other categories. It really is just the idea of refilling and reducing and recycling, which, I mean, we all know the three R's and, and you know, for me, I'm sort of, you know, posing the question like, hey, can we, you know, stop, like ready, hold fire, like let's really try to reimagine what the product development process can and should look like. How can we be less wasteful and how can we turn at every gateway of the marketing and development process to make sure we are being as mindful, as ethical and, you know, curious about how we can be better together? Because I mean, at this point, you know, I'm someone who always sort of felt like, well, I'm just one person. There's nothing really I can do. You know, when you hear the stats on TV or in the news, like the world is ending, you know, there's going to be more plastic than fish in the ocean. Like we're just discussing, you sort of feel like, wow, that's like a really daunting message. And if I'm not in, you know, an area of sustainability, or if I'm not an environmentalist, like what can I do as one person? So beyond the me's of the world who are, who are in a position to drive change. The truth is like down to the person level, down, down to you, down to me, we can drive the change too by denying single use plastic, by, you know, supporting the slow brands and stepping away from fast fashion and fast beauty and, and sort of like saying out loud, like it's, it's okay to wear your winter jacket for the next three seasons. Like let's wear it until it breaks. And even then, like, can I repair it? It's just, you know, it's a whole shift in the way you think. And it is possible because I'll tell you this too. I, I was the queen of waste. I'm, I'm someone who like loved fast fashion and fast beauty and was here for all the trends. And you just don't realize how wasteful we are as people. So I think it is like, it really truly is a shift in the, in our behavior collectively. It's a, whole different, it's a whole different way of, of being, you know, even what you said, the example of like, can you repair that jacket instead of replacing it? And, mm-hmm. you know, my choice to buy from a company like Izzy, as opposed to going to CVS and just buying the mass market stuff. So yeah, I love that. And I love this. 
uh, slow brand concept, right? <laughs> As opposed to fast brands and fast food. I think that's that's going to stick with me. Thank you for that, Shannon. And um, it really does. I mean, what you're doing takes a lot of, of courage. And I think Laura might have already mentioned that, right? Because you're implementing some incredibly forward-thinking business practices and processes. These are the things I love what you said. Like you, you just have to ask the question. I'm curious, right? We talk about curiosity a lot on this show. What if? How might we? Right? All of those great questions that gets you to where you are. So for our listeners, could we talk a little bit about like what goes into this closed loop business process and having a small carbon footprint for the people who feel like, well, that's just the way it is. Nothing we can really do about it. How do you make it happen? You're talking about the brand and getting the word out. And from a business process, how do you make it happen when the industry giants are relative laggards in helping you, but yet they're, they're looked to as the, well, that's just the way it's done. So do you have to work outside of traditional cosmetic manufacturers or suppliers, because I would have to assume that a lot of their their own processes and supporting you are tailored toward the way it's always been done. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's perhaps the hardest part. So I'll, I'll start with this. Our approach to sustainability was like really going full throttle. Like the full disciplined approach was let's, let's actually try to be zero waste and keep that whole idea at the center, at the, that's the heartbeat of what Izzy is. We, we are looking to reduce waste 100%. And when you think about sustainability, um, what you realize is it's not an even playing field. It's not just one thing, it's many things. So I always think about it like it's this giant wheel and there's so many spokes on the sustainability wheel. And I can tell you what we did from a cosmetics point of view, and I think it would make sense cross industry, but I'll just start with the examples of sort of um, the details that we were chasing. So one was how can we reduce our materials? How can we get away from plastics? So um, we actually weren't able to get away from it 100%. Our, Our tubes are made from medical grade stainless steel that can be washed and refilled and reused more than 10,000 times, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. But we do use 94% less plastic and the plastic that we do use because we're circular, which means nothing goes to waste ever. And we reuse absolutely everything. We actually, when we get our components back to our factory, we take the plastic that we use, we melt it down to its virgin resin and, and remake it again. So wow. the, it like truly is the idea, like it, it, and, and, and there are some caveats, right? Because we do have a glossy lip butter that has a spongy tip applicator, like every lip gloss. And we asked ourselves, all right, well, this is different because you can't really melt it. You sort of have to like find a post-consumer use for it. So my amazing co-founder, Chris Tarling, so smart, <laughs> said, why don't we, you know, partner with a company that makes uh, cushions for at schools for children, and we can repurpose the, the cushion from the lip applicator into chair cushions, which is like so beyond. Oh, love that. Yeah, like, that is crazy. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's like really like thinking at that like hyper-disciplined level where it's like obsessive, like, where can this go? Let's not throw this away. What can we do with it? Can we repair it? Can we remake it? Can it go somewhere else? 
Um, then you look at our cleansing process. So we copied the medical industry. We really asked like, how do they get away with using the same tools on patients day in and day out quite invasively? And what they do is they put their stainless steel tools into a triple medical cleanse that is certifiable. At the end, all of the microbial and bacteria buildup is removed. In our case, all of the excess goop or used goop from the cosmetics is taken out and the water is purified and reused. So we don't even dump our, you know, water from the cleansing process into our waterways. Oh my God. And then the last piece, which I mean, it really is crazy obsessive. And I, and this is not normal. This is like such a high standard. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome yeah. to the not normal club. Thank yeah. you. This is not normal. Um, but then, you know, one thing that always drove me crazy is we are notorious for these massive carbon footprints and beauty. And most of the time you don't realize this, but like your formula may come from Italy, your component may come from China, and then it may get assembled somewhere in New Jersey. And then it ships to the retailer. Then it, you know, ships to the individual stores and then you buy it and then it goes home. And my gosh, that one little lip gloss has actually traveled all the way around the world before it gets into your hands. Mm -hmm. And you start to think like, Hey, can we shrink our imprint? Like, can it get any tinier? And the truth is, yes. Like it's all about your vendors and um, the truth is there's vendors everywhere. So we just chose to keep our supply chain within the Northeast of the U S and, um, we shrunk our supply chain down to a 400 mile radius that you, can be run on a tank of gas or two Tesla charges, as we say. Wow. And it really is just that type of thinking of like asking yourself, should we do this? Can we do this? And it's always that way of thinking before we act on anything, um, and we're not a brand that's going to have a million products under the sun. That's not us, but we are a brand that will come out with, you know, super curated pared down essentials, everyday essentials that, uh, people feel good subscribing to. And the, the last piece that I'll say is easy is easy. And that was like a big thing for me because I always felt like in order to be sustainable, it's like you had to trade up, you had to spend more money, you had to go out of your way to be more sustainable. And we're sort of saying like, no, look, all you have to do is click to subscribe. We will get you fresh formula at your doorstep every 90 days. At that point, you send us your, you, we send you a prepaid um, zero waste shipper that has a prepaid label in it. At that point, that's like your aha moment, put in your old used cosmetics, ship it back to us and we'll refurbish it. And it's this smooth cyclic process, circular process that keeps waste out completely. And as you know, the consumer, you're just getting fresh product delivered to you every 90 days automatically. So that, that was one big thing for me. It's like, let's make Izzy easy. And we play that up a lot. I think <laughs> that's fabulous. You made yeah. it easy for me because I can't ever seem to find the time to go to the post office to return anything. So the fact right. that that's just easy and ready to go. And again, now you're cutting out on my carbon contribution by just mm -hmm. driving down, you know, and, and getting that all paid. Okay. So, so many things. And I know Laura's going to want to ask a question too, but I just have to say, you're showing what we talk about all the time. Doing good business is possible. It's profitable and it's packed with opportunity. And I love the fact that you were looking to other industries to say what works and what they're doing that we can take here instead of trying to make incremental improvement in the industry that you were already in. So thank you. Thank you for that, making that point and sharing that with us. And I'm going to squeeze in one question before Laura does. How does all the good that goes into Izzy products impact pricing? Is it comparable to others 
you know, in the market, where are you in that so that our listeners know and hopefully are making a note of it and, and visiting the website already? Yeah, so we are a premium beauty brand and that was on purpose okay. um, because I felt as a beauty consumer and as someone who is a part of the brand side, I I always felt like luxury premium beauty could never be clean or sustainable. Um, a lot of the brands that existed before Izzy, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this, were, you know, sure. like made out of cardboard and like, um, like one, one could say like, oh, this is like very granola or for tree huggers, which there's no problem with that. But what I found was there's a unique opportunity for Izzy to like say, actually, like if you're into fashion and style and luxury and premium products, like they, they can be sustainable. They can be cool. They can be chic. They can be all of the things that you're looking for when you're shopping any fashion or beauty brand, but guess what? It's also hundred percent sustainable, clean and cruelty-free. So that, that was just like a big hole that I wanted to fill in the market. Um, now, as it breaks down to pricing, we we offer three types to per, three ways to purchase Izzy. There's either the one-time purchase, which um, yes, like it is a little bit more money, but that's the whole point. We don't want the one-time purchasers really, right. really looking for someone to like lean into subscription because that's where we can really prove out circularity and, and reuse and all of that good stuff. So what happens is when you pay the upfront fee, you're essentially paying for your Izzy tube upfront. And from there, this is where the magic happens is once the refills kick in, then all of a sudden you're paying 20 to 30% less than you would with any other premium brand. Because at that point, you've already paid for your tubes at this, you know, at this time, you're only paying for the formula goop and the cleaning. That's it. Mm -hmm. So the price drops dramatically once you lean into the refills. I love that. That's awesome. So I'm, I, I'm going back to the whole Izzy is easy because Shannon, what you described, like everything that you're doing, where are you going to use the sponges? Where are you going to use the water? How are you going to clean the equipment? Like to me, that's the opposite of easy. So I just, I love that dichotomy of we make it easy for the consumer and we're also obsessively reusing everything ourselves and, and internally to the, com- to the company. And I'm wondering what's the biggest, like if you had to take all of those things that you've done to contribute to zero waste, what is the biggest zero waste win that you think you've had? The biggest zero waste win is being able to talk to you today and feel a hundred percent authentic and honest and know that you cannot poke a single hole in my brand. And that was so intentional on my part because so many times people don't present the entire truth. Um, even as it comes to like being a charitable or ethical company, like when you really dig deep into the Izzy brand and like really scour our about section on the website, like we really from head to toe made sure to obsessively, you know, dive into every single detail of what we felt was important to the conscious customer, things that are constantly being asked from customer. I mean, I, I cannot tell you enough. Gen Z is so smart. <laughs> they know all the right <laughs> questions to ask. They, you know, want to come down on you. They'll troll you. And it's one of those things where like, it's awesome to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say like, we really are trying our best. And like, please, please, please. If you know how we can do things a little bit better let us know because we're always aiming to improve. There's no such thing as perfect, but like we, we really give it a good go. That's so awesome. And, you know, Kelly mentioned the word courage earlier because, you know, it does take courage to change an industry, but just as a leader on the human level, how do you stay focused when, 
you know, when it is tough, when you look around and you see all the waste in the industry or when, you know, you're just getting to market, like how do you stay focused when it's tough out there? I, gosh, that's a great question. I was given advice recently and I'm just going to, you know, be a parent and say it back to you. Mm, (laughs) Perfect. We'll take it. (laughs) There's a lot of hard moments. I mean, there's, there's times where I actually don't know if we're going to make it. And even now, as we're looking to do some fundraising, like it, it is scary across the board. And Perhaps one of the hardest parts is because Izzy is an unusual brand, I can't grow into retail as I normally would. A lot of the big brand retailers are, you know, sort of looking at us, you know, like we have 10 heads, like how can we even support a brand like Izzy? Because Izzy has to be in full control. We have to be able to talk to our client, you know, let them know when to expect their Izzy, when it's time to give back their Izzy, how the process works, because it's so complicated on the back end, not on the consumer facing end, but on our end. And we, we do a lot of communicating. So that's really tough. But what I would say to anyone who, you know, anyone in the world who's trying to do anything new or like step up and be courageous, it's, um, as someone just said to me, it's like, we're all like a bunch of wild salmon swimming upstream and it's hard. And, you know, people, you know, the water can get choppy, fish are going to slow down. They're going to turn around, they're going to drop off, but it's important to keep that, fire and tenacity and keep going. And at the same time, like hold on to the truth, hold on to what's important. So that's like, I try to do that on a personal level, just holding on to what's important. And at the brand level, like just speaking the truth over and over again. And let's face it, like there's not after this podcast ends, it's not like we're going to, you know, turn off the lights and see one, you know, sweeping change overnight. This is a journey for everyone everywhere. And it really is these little changes one day at a time that will add up. It's not going to happen today or tomorrow. It'll be years from now, but like perhaps the most inspiring thing is like to see these giant companies start to say out loud, here are our, our goals to be carbon neutral or carbon positive in 2025. Like that is, that's awesome to see because we realize for these giant companies, these changes aren't easy to make. It's much easier for me, these small brands with these small teams that can be nimble and scrappy. It's much harder for the big guys. And I just think that's like the most inspiring thing of all is to say like, no, like together across industry, we, we, we got this. And we're, we're also saying out loud, we, we actually can do this within the next three to five years. Yeah. And I believe, you know, everything I say to every client is it's not the big light switch change. It's these small little baby steps that actually get us to sustainable change. And I just mean that from a human perspective, but it's, you're globalizing that here in a really beautiful way. It's, you know, there's, I see the debates on the internet, right? Like, well, I shouldn't have to recycle because it's just the, what these seven corporations that are responsible for 90% of the pollution in the world. Okay. But if everybody (laughs) thinks that way, there's billions of people on this planet. So we all do have our part and we all do have a piece of what's happening. So thank you for, for sharing your piece of it and, and for sharing that perspective with us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think um, it's so true. I mean, we talked to so many people, you included Shannon, who just, this is instinctive for them. It's, it's very altruistic. It's very like, well, of course, why would we do it any other way? And yet we know to Laura's point, there are others that aren't doing it or will only do it when the market asks for it. And the market's asking for it. The market might not be jumping up and down yet and screaming for it, but it will someday, the the companies who aren't looking at it in this way as an opportunity will wake up one morning and say, oh, hey, where did our customers go? <laughs> say, remember that last 15 years when we've been talking about this? And you, you're all great role models for this is how it can be done. So if they're saying, oh, it can't be, yes, it can be. 
So you're, oh you've God. got the proven approach. And if that wasn't enough, Izzy gives back. So you're doing so much already and you have this really strong philanthropic arm. So how do you manage all of that in concert with everything else that you're doing? And that includes developing and delivering your products. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for auto pay. (laughs) We, we sort of said uh, to ourselves as a company, like, let's, let's just give quarterly. And even though we're making no money right now and we're nowhere close to being profitable, it was still really important for us to give back anything we could in in the beginning. And we hope to strengthen those amounts over time. Mm -hmm. So right now it's very easy for us to plant a tree for every, you know, Izzy sold, no big deal. So we partner with the National Forest Foundation there. Um, But two things that became very important to me during the pandemic, one was just rights for women. And, mm-hmm. um, we partner with this amazing agency out of New York, um, called her justice. And they, they pair women who can't afford legal help with, you know, pro bono attorneys. And just something that was interesting is during the pandemic, domestic violence really went up and people right. were stuck indoors. And I just felt this call to help women. And I, I just, I mean, I feel like I get emotional there, but that just seemed like something near and dear to my heart that even though it had nothing to do with sustainability, that was something that um, I could relate to. And I understood, and I know anything we could give is going to be helpful. And then the next one is pencils of promise. Um, And it just, my God, having children during the pandemic and having to not only work from home, but teach two children at two different grades school. And, and guess what? Our kids don't learn math the way that we did. So there's no like such thing as carrying the one anymore. And, right. Um, I was <laughs> so sensitive towards teachers, but also it made me realize like there's so many kids that are dropping out of school that don't have the opportunity to go to school and pencils of promise make school happen in school materials and, and things that they need available for teachers, for parents, for students. They're an amazing organization. And now we're starting to lean into some other charities and uh, organizations that give back to women who have been incarcerated, who are having a hard time making it on their own. And I just, I want to continue to give wherever we can. Um, I know you can't save the world and we're really trying hard as it relates to sustainability, but these other little things, like any any little amount of giving is still, you know, crucial and important. And it's just one of those things that I, I feel very strongly about and hope to continue to give back. I think that's wonderful. I think what you said there, you know, at the beginning, when you're talking about planting a tree, you're like, well, that's easy. It is easy. And I think people tend to overcomplicate things, but that's easy. And I think the other part of your philanthropy is also very strategic because it is related to women by and large. I think that that would be a, the largest demographic of your consumers, not necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a big portion of that. And all that women do and have to achieve to have their everyday life. And so I think it's wonderful that you're doing it in that way and, and supporting women in many ways. And speaking of being math, um, math is taught differently, math <laughs> challenged, and uh, just you want to correct it so that we have it. The ratio of plastics to fish in the ocean will increase from one piece of plastic to every five fish to one to one. And I think I said it backwards when we were talking about it earlier. I think I was, so actually, I was so started by the actual statistic. I don't even remember what you said because I was like, oh my God, the fish eats. 
Oh, well, right. I figured everybody got it, but you know, there's still a student inside of me who I feels like I'm going Kelly. to be corrected for that. So <laughs> terrible. But yeah, the, the, the point is, it's not good. Right. It's not good. And right. That, that's all we needed to know, even if I transpose the numbers. <laughs> right. So I love how everything is built into the fabric of the business, right? Like obviously sustainability, that's kind of where you start, but even the giving back, you know, even in early stages, it's not, you're not positioning it as a, we're going to do this when it's literally who you are. It's in the value of your company. And uh, I mean, that's sustainable in an entirely different way, but I I just wanted to call that out because I heard it and it it really landed with me. Oh, thank you. Another fabulous story to share. I hope um, our listeners are inspired to make some changes either within their own companies or within their industries, because this is what turns the big ships around. Yeah, it does. It's, it takes each and every one of us, like no more Mm -hmm. of the, if anyone out there listening, and I doubt our listeners are, but if anyone out there listening, or if anyone knows someone who is still in that whole, like, what can I do? I can't do anything, you know, let this be an inspiration. Um, and Shannon, the way that you're just building it into the organization and all of the values from the start is fantastic. And we will link to um, the website, which is yourizzy.com, I-Z-Z-Y. We'll link to that. Where, What are you excited about? What do you want to leave our listeners with as something that you're excited about that's coming up for the company? I'm excited to tap into different segments. So I will let your brains wonder um, around what that means exactly. I can't really give it away. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The whole idea is to just continue our process cross category um, in categories that make sense, of course, and relate back to beauty. And then who knows? The sky's the limit. I mean, I'm hoping one day that we can partner with different organizations around the world to make Izzy's process a reality. And I always say there's no sacred cows at Izzy. So if I can be helpful in any way to anyone, anywhere, this this is really not about me. This is about saving the world and preserving the world we have for our children and their children. So that that's what the moral of the story is there. It's not Izzy, any, anyone can replicate Izzy. And I, I really hope that does happen ultimately. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, more of that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Shannon, thank you so, so much for being with us today. And I mean, I'm going to go buy some makeup. Right, I'm psyched. Thank you. Oh, you know what I wanted to say too. Um, little surprise for your listeners is please take down the code IZZYFF20. Enjoy twenty percent off. Um, I really, yeah, I really aim to make Izzy easy. That's that's the goal here. So, if I can provide at least like a little discount, I'm happy to extend it to your listeners. That is so cool. I mean, I know that we've got a lot of female listeners, so that's awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. What a gift. Of course, yeah, and thank you guys. You are amazing. Thanks for joining us. Right. All right, everyone. Take care. And I'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly. Leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.